Jesus uh, preaches this unbelievable sermon that you, if you've gotten to be in church for any amount of time, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. He's preaching to a multitude of people, you guys that are watching The Chosen, season three, if you're keeping up with it. It was, I think they just did that a couple of episodes ago, so the Sermon on the Mount. All right, uh, just to be culturally relevant here. So, um, but it's this, uh, this uh, message that turns the world upside down because nobody had ever heard anything like it. Because he begins to preach this upside down kingdom that's completely different than anything the flesh wants to say, anything of the flesh. It's literally opposite of this unbelievable message. And so he preaches it. And at the very end of this incredible message, he finishes with this parable or this uh, parable is kind of this metaphor simile. It's, it says there's something like this. And he, he, Jesus does this, by the way, all throughout the word. Sometimes he shares these little parables to help people get a better understanding. And then sometimes Jesus shares these little parables to hide the truth from those who were hard hearted and didn't want to give their hearts over to him, which is another sermon for another day. But, um, but Jesus gives these little pictures, and he, at the very end, the very last thing he says when he's delivering this world-altering message, he makes this statement. It gives us this picture, and I want us to read it together in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 24. 24, he says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. I, when I read this as he's closing out this message, I, just, I can't help but hear this unbelievable pastor who really cares about people cares about their lives, and he's unfolded this unbelievable, new, powerful truth, this word that's coming from God incarnate, and he's sharing it, and he, ha he says, listen, here's the problem. There's a danger that you could come to church and hear these words all the time, but in fact, it never has its way in you. You don't ever begin to anchor yourself in it. And it becomes a place of death and destruction. Meaning there's, the truth is there, but you could potentially miss it. And I just feel the heart of a shepherd who's just going, please don't miss this. It's not going to be enough to just hear there's something that has to begin to change in you internally. And he's going to ask the question, this is what he's fundamentally asking, what are you building your life on? Upon what 
Are you placing the foundation of your life? What actually is informing the way that you see the world? What are the things that you're setting your life on that give you the reason for the decisions that you make or the things that you believe or what informs when you choose to say yes or you choose to say no? What's actually declaring that over your life? Because there's so many sources that are speaking all the time. There's 10,000 commercial messages we receive in a day. There's editorials and news channels, and there's books, and there's authors, and there's celebrities and social media accounts, and all kinds of modern ways of seeing life and making decisions. And I just feel the weight of this pastor, this incredible God of the universe who's standing before the people and asking this question, what are you actually building your life on? What is it that's calling the shots? And so he wants to put forward this word, this source of truth, the word of God that is going to bring life to you. What he wants to say is, no matter what. And I just love this about Jesus because he's going, listen, I'm building this kingdom, but he's not out selling a bill of goods. He's not doing a commercial, right? He's not trying to sell the Ginsu knives for three easy payments of $19.99, right? That isn't the king. He's actually saying, hey, I want you to know it's going to be incredibly important for this word to be deeply rooted in you because here's what's going to happen. There are going to be days where the rains come and the floods sweep through and the wind blows powerfully across you. And there are one of two ways you can go. And anyone who hears it and founds them on my word is going to find life. But anyone who hears it shows up to church, but doesn't root their life on this word, when those moments come, it's going to be hardship. He actually says a great fall. What an unbelievable God who cares, who cares so much about what you found your life on. He's looking at each one of us right now and just lovingly asking that question of us. And so we get to ask this question this morning. I want to just take a few minutes to just ask the question, how do we build our life on the word of God? What does it look like for us to be a people who begin to build our life on the word of God? In fact, that's what we're going to be searching just over the next several weeks what does it look like for us to, how do we build a life that is totally anchored on the word of God, that no matter what comes, we find life and we hold fast through it all. Now, uh, before we even step into this, I want to address one thing. Uh, if you got to grow up in church for any amount of time, uh, it is entirely possible that when it came to you coming to the word and reading the word, there was lots of shame and guilt because you didn't do it enough. Uh, that you 
would show up and you'd probably hear from the pastor, you ought to be reading your word. If you're not reading your word, you should. You better or else. And I just want to make sure that we get a chance to hear the heart of Jesus here, who's not saying you better or else. What he's saying is, hey, I love you too much to let you linger out there. There's not a shaming word here. This is a, a saying, I care for you, and I want to bring you into a place of safety. So uh, those are two different perspectives, um, because as we talk about the word, the easiest thing in the world to do is go, well, I don't read my Bible enough, and I missed yesterday's reading. Some of you inevitably have already started a reading plan that you're already behind on, right? January 8th. Come on. All right. Won't make you raise your hand. Okay. Or you've done right. Yeah. Right. Or, or, you know, it's happened many, many. And listen, and the, and the enemy is ready the minute you miss that day to bring shame over you. And Jesus is going, no, 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 no. That's not how this works. That's not who God is. It's not how he treats us. He's inviting us into his heart, right? The commands of God, when Jesus brings this command, don't build your house on the sand, build it on the foundation, the rock, my word. When he gives that command, it's always the invitation into more life than you had before. That's the power of the commands of God. It's the invitation into better, always. And so that's what he's doing here. So the word of God is meant to be not the place of shame because you haven't looked at it enough. It's meant to be the place of refreshing that brings life to you and me. And that's where he's leading his people. Even when the scripture's correcting us, it's always leading us towards life. It's always leading us towards better, towards greater, towards more in him. And so... What we're going to find is that all throughout the scripture, it's going to keep saying, you bring the scripture with your whole body, soul, and spirit. That's what he's going to actually say. Your whole being is meant to be involved in bringing the word into your life and setting your feet on that rock. Even your very senses, we get to see scripture's meant to involve the whole being. And so God has this way of wanting to bring the whole process of who he is uh, through all of our lives. And so here's the first thing. God's going to give us a few things in, from the scripture, and I want us to just begin to take in and have and what it means to have our whole being involved in engaging the word of God. So the first thing is God's going to say is this. Listen. He's going to say, listen, listen to the word. Listen to the word. Romans 10, 17, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So the birthplace of faith, the birthplace of faith is through this hearing of the word where faith gets fueled and stirred when we come and listen to the word. Every time we gather here, we get to open the word and declare it. And every time we get together in homes, in our community groups, we get to come together and open the word to listen to what it has to say. It becomes this critical place of listening with our ears, not speaking, 
Not looking, we're going to talk about those in a minute, but hearing first and foremost, listening, allowing our ears to take in the truth of God's word through faithful teachers, preachers, many of us can grab podcasts or get to listen on the radio to those that are declaring the truth of God's word. It's important for us to uh, orient our lives. You, we ask this question, what does it look like to build our lives on the word of God? Listening to it is a critical piece. If you like to just listen to the scripture being read, I don't know if you've ever had a chance to do that. The beauty of technology is we get so much easier access. Back in the day, you had to uh, do tapes. I don't even know what it, some of the some people under the age of thirty have no idea what a tape is. But there were tapes that you'd try to listen to messages. I have like I had just boatloads of messages and sermons and preaching and stuff. Where thank God we don't have that. You just have it on your phone and not creating a dusty catalog in your uh, library. Who has a library? I don't even know why I said that. Right, but um. Maybe you do in your office. Uh, there's an amazing app called Dwell. I don't know if you're if you've never heard of it before. For the cup of basic, uh, for the cost of a, basically a, a latte um, per month, you can uh, have it. This is an incredible app where you can listen to the word uh, spoken uh, in different, um, uh, even like a different dialect, not dialects, so different different people from different nations speaking the word different translations. You can have music playing behind it if you so choose. It's a really powerful app. But if you want to listen to the word, it's just a real practical step. There, or there's just great place, audio Bible, to be able to listen to the word. It's an incredible opportunity. Maybe you have a spouse, or maybe you have one of your children, or maybe you have your parents read it over you. But I think it's important for us, if you want to anchor your life in the word of God, just to be, have moments and opportunities to be listening to the word of God. James 1.19 says, it says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear and then slow to speak, slow to anger for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. What's this? I love this word. Be quick to listen. So what do you have to do in order to be quick to listen? You actually have to slow down on speaking. You just have to take a back seat to saying things. I know the saying things is fun, but sometimes it's important just to pull back for a moment. Slow to anger. What? Which is interesting, by the way. Why does he say slow to anger? Because are you ever listening to anything when you're angry? Truly. When you're angry, you're, ready, you're just ready to throw the thing out there. Here's the thought, right? Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's not so good. In fact, what he's saying here is the anger of man, which is not anger of heart of God, but anger of man here. It's not producing anything. So he says, listen, you can't hear what's important when you're throwing out your own words or there's something ruminating inside of you. So he's saying, slow back, pull back. And what is God saying? What an unbelievable, you want to talk about what does it look like to actually found your life on the word is when you feel that thing come, just to take a step back and to say, okay, God, what do you say? What a powerful truth that he's bringing to us to turn off all the things and just have that silence and let the Lord bring his word to our hearts to just put away all the garbage. In fact, he says in uh, the very next verse, James 1, 21, therefore put away all the filthiness and the rampant wickedness and receive with meekness. Hear this. 
Receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. The implanted word. I love this bit. This picture of receive, by the way, is this idea picture. It's actually a Greek word called dekomai. It actually means to like, as a host, to receive someone. So he says, when you receive this word, it brings life to your soul. What an incredible picture. So let's be people that just perk our ears for a moment and listen to the word. We also get to not only listen, but then we need to see the word. The word gets to come into our eyes. James 1.22 says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, He's like a man who, look at this, who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks, hear this, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. That's what he's saying. We want to listen, but then it's also important to look intently. Put, place your eyes on the word. To read and to let it have its moment. Not rushing around. Maybe, I don't know if you've ever done this before. You're reading a, you're reading a book and you read like a couple of paragraphs, but you're kind of thinking about other things, like you got a, the, the thing going on, and you read a couple of paragraphs, and you're just like, I have no idea what I just read. Like, I know I read every word, but literally nothing just landed. You ever done that? Okay. So that's actually what James is trying. This is, the, by the way, the brother of Jesus. And he's saying, hey, the, I know you got a ton of stuff going on. You got so much life happening families and you got jobs and you got all these things. And it's easy to just real quick read the thing and keep moving on. But if you do that, there's a chance for you to be like a man who looks intently, walks away, and then can't remember what he just saw. And if you want to anchor your life in the word, it is going to take just a moment to pause and read and look and let it set in so that you're not tossed to and fro. And here's what he says, and that's what I love. If you'll do this, it will bring blessing over you. That's an unbelievable thing. I don't know, I don't know anyone, I've never met anyone who doesn't want to be blessed. Never. That doesn't want to experience blessing in relationships, resources, or finances, or health, or families, or work, but just to experience blessing and here's what he's saying. If you'll take that time to let it come in, to look intently and receive it, like, a, like host it, like open yourself up to it, that it will reap and bring blessing in our lives to take it in intently. That's a powerful reality. So these are just these promises that we're getting when we open our ears and we open our eyes. And then as he's speaking of being blessed, wants to say this, not only do you need to see the word, not only do you need to read the word, 
look at the word, but also taste the word. Taste the word, to which you might be going, okay, now we're getting weird, preacher. Uh, so what do we mean by taste the word? So I want, to remember, I want us to remember just for a moment, God did not give us the word as a heavy duty to perform to say that we read it. But in fact, God gave us the word to what? Bring refreshing life and blessing, that from his word comes the fullness of life. This is this spirit-breathed thing that he gave to us, his heart in, uh, in writing to our souls, to our spirits, to be refreshed. In Psalm verse 34, verse 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And then look at what he says. Now go back to this picture of blessing. Blessed is the man or woman that take refuge in him. Now, Here's what he's saying. What does it mean to taste the word? This is taste. What he wants to say is, let him cover you and bring you into his safety. When he says, blessed is the man who takes refuge in him, he's saying, come up under the safety of the word. You know there's something powerful when you are willing to open the scripture and come to it? that you're coming up under a covering. This is what, this is the picture he's given us, meaning this, there's all kinds of barbs, flaming arrows, things that are being thrown at you all the time, coming from any manner of directions. And at the very least, the constant chatter of the enemy trying to bring shame, guilt, and despair over our lives. And at the very least, our own flesh that just wants to war against the powerful spirit that is alive and ready to give us his power. And that's happening all the time. And so to taste the word of God is to come up under the refuge that we get from it, to receive it, to be protected by it, to be covered by it. So as the barbs and the arrows and the lies of the enemy and the disappointments of the flesh come up against us, we get refreshed by coming up under. We get to taste the word and have it cover our lives to bring meaning, to bring purpose, to bring truth, to bring life in the midst of all of the things and the chaos going on. Taste the word. Blessed is the man and blessed is the woman who take refuge, who come up under it. And we get to finish up with this one. And I really debated whether putting this down, but I did it anyway. I think we're supposed to smell the word. All right, I'm just taking this thing all the way, all five senses, okay? All right, what do you mean, weirdo pastor? There's this, there's this moment. It's just um, it's technically hours before Jesus is going to go to the cross. And I don't, if you think about everything that Jesus could or should have been doing 
He's just got a day left before he is going to the cross. And if you're, um, well, at least if you're an American, you're thinking about, or what are all the strategies that we could give to Jesus to make sure that he does all the things necessary to get ready for this thing? You, know, you gotta start meeting with these leaders. You gotta make sure these people know this thing, right? You could be sitting down with different religious leaders, Nicodemus or whoever, just trying to get the thing ready before he goes to the cross. You know what Jesus is doing hours before? He's just hanging with his best friends. Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. He's got his disciples, and he's just sitting with them. And they come to this dinner. We get it, we get it recorded in three of the Gospels, in uh, Matthew and, and John and uh, Mark. They all tell the same story. Mary comes, and she takes effectively her life savings a year's worth of perfume called nard. She takes this vial and she just smashes the thing. He's just sitting there with his friends. He wasn't asking for it. It wasn't like, I need to direct the worship time now. You guys need to come. They're just spending time together about to have dinner. And she just comes like out of left field and smashes this thing and then drenches him in this perfume. And everyone in the room is going, what on earth are you doing? And the disciples are looking and they're going, do you not understand all the people that need to be ministered to? What could we have done with this kind of investment in the kingdom, what could we have accomplished with this amount of money? How foolish is this that you would waste this perfume like this? And Jesus just looks at them and says, and I could love it. He just leave her alone. That's what he says. See, what she's done for me, is she's actually pre preparing me for burial. This is what they would do, right? And for a decaying body, they would put poor perfume over it to cover. And he's going, this little girl knows more than all these disciples. They're all upset. Judas was the one that was saying it out loud, but they were all frustrated. And he's saying, there's something that's more important. You got to hear this. There's something that's more important than even doing amazing, awesome ministry. He actually says, the poor, those that you want to minister, you're always going to have them. But there's something that's more important. What is the more important? He says, I want intimacy with you first. I care about a heart that just treasures me. I'm looking for hearts that just hunger to be with me, to be near to me, to be around me. That's the basis for everything else you do, for your husbanding, for your parenting, for your jobs, for everything in your life. 
There is one foundation that's supposed to move all of it. It is intimacy with the Son of God. And she got it. And I can guarantee you that wherever Jesus went with all that perfume over him, wherever Jesus went, he smelled of that perfume. And wherever Mary went, she smelled the same. She wanted the word in the flesh near to her. That was the most important thing. That's what it was. This is the most important thing. If you and I want to be people who are anchored in the word, it actually starts by being a people who come so near to him. We begin to, if you will, smell like him. And I just, I want to smell more like the Lord. (laughs) Jerry, you smell like the Lord. I don't know what perfume you wear, but I know you smell like the Lord. You smell like the Lord. Nikki, you smell like the Lord. And I could say that about a bunch of you guys in here. But I just felt like calling you guys out. This is what it means. There's nothing more important in all of our lives. And I just, even as I'm studying this week for this, I just want the word to be more in me. Not to say I know the word or can teach the word or we can do awesome ministry or here's the cool insights, but just like want to have that kind of thing in me that just is like, God, I just want to be near and close. I want to smell like it. I want to come and be near and close to you. That's the point of opening the scripture. It's not to check the box and say you did the cool, awesome thing. It's just to come near. That's the point of the word. Jesus, he's talking to the religious leaders in John chapter five. He says, he says, you search the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. But those scriptures testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me. He's not damning anyone for reading the scriptures. He's saying, you often come to the scripture because you need to figure out what you're supposed to do this and how you're supposed to live this way. But those scriptures are actually testifying about depth and nearness and closeness with me. But you don't want to come to me. You're going to do the religious exercise, but you don't actually want to open your heart up. You don't know who's built, whose lives, hear this, you want to know whose lives are built on the rock. It's not the people that have the most knowledge. It's the ones who are willing to open their heart up and let him come in. That's whose life is built on the rock. All the Bible studies in the world, they're nothing if they aren't leading us to opening a heart to be changed and transformed by his word. And that's what he's asking. The word of God is the gateway to intimacy, to nearness with him. That's what he's saying. And that's what he's inviting. And wherever, literally, everyone, if you're in this room, listening online, you're being invited right now into a deeper place with him. He isn't pointing the finger saying, you better read your Bible more. He's opening his heart saying, I want to give myself to you. Will you come to me?
That's the invitation. That's where God's at with the word of God. That's where he's at with the scriptures. And this amazing thing happens. This amazing thing happens when we do this. Second Corinthians. But thanks be to God who in Christ leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. When you and I come up and open our hearts to the word of God and it comes in, guess what? Then you and I, like Mary, get to bring that fragrance wherever we go to. What else is life about? What else is life for than getting to be that everywhere we go? God, help us to be that and do that. You guys come up. We're going to finish. Y'all can stand with me. We're just going to get this moment to declare, God, we're building our life on the rock and not on the sand. Will y'all just pray this with me now? Right now, Lord, would you just ask him, God, would you help me to listen to your word now? Listen, your Holy Spirit is speaking even now. Help me listen. Would you just ask him, help me listen? Lord, would you help me read, see with my eyes your word, your truth? Help me see. Lord, help me taste your word. Come up under your covering. Be shaded by it. Be protected by it. Ask him. Would you ask him? Let me be one who tastes your word. Lord, let me smell. Nearness with you. Let me have that. Would you just ask him that? You might feel like God's a million miles away. This is the most beautiful prayer you can pray. Lord, help me. come near to you, to be like you and smell like you and walk like you and think like you and talk like you, minister like you and encourage like you. Let your word come and have its full effect, full effect in me. Let's be a people of the word. God, would you make this church a people that are faithful to your word? Faithful to the scripture, faithful to the declaration, faithful to the word in flesh, Jesus, faithful to his spirit that is alive. We're building our life on the firm foundation, the rock. That's our declaration, God. Would you help us? We ask in Jesus name. Let's worship.